This is Asia's Farm to Fork Five Good Questions podcast, bringing you insights and views from across Asia's food value chain. Now for today's interview. Hi, everybody. I'm Duke Kip, host of Asia's Farm to Fork Five Good Questions podcast, and we're delighted today to bring another leader in the agriculture space here in, in Asia, uh, Susanna Hasenroll with Yara International, Director for Asia Growth and Commercialization with Yara. Uh, Susanna, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me here. Pleasure. Great. Well, we uh, again, this is uh, five good questions. We hope they're good questions, but we'll soon find out. I know there'll be good answers and uh, we'll get started with that. So first question, I think one of the areas um, that is really becoming more and more than just a buzzword, it really is sort of a societal movement, is around sustainability, uh, particularly with respect to food and agriculture. Where does your food come from? How is it grown? Is it grown sustainably? It's uh, becoming, as I said, a growing movement, really. And it's driven by a number of different things, as you know, whether it be generally natural resources or uh, interest in healthier diets and lifestyles, and really just greater awareness around, again, where our food comes from. So uh, this is something I know that's really near and dear to your heart and certainly at the, at the center of the work that you're doing here in Asia. So my question for you, what are the greatest challenges do you think for ensuring sustainability here in our food systems in our region? Well, climate change is is the biggest challenge that the humanity is facing, and and, and here in Asia, uh, it's manifesting it, itself in in, in very uh, you know significant ways. And also, if we look at our economies, the Asian economies are disproportionately affected by climate change already. Uh, we have several countries such as. India and Myanmar that are at the at the very high risk uh, index in terms of uh, changing weather patterns, which of course affect the the agricultural activities as well and and our food security. Absolutely, no, I think it's it's, it's uh, indisputable. And you think you look around us here in Asia, particularly how it affects the farmers and how they're having to really you know mitigate the impacts of climate changes. There's no doubt it is is having a huge effect here. Well, sort of a, a follow up to that question. Sticking, sticking with sustainability, I think you're probably aware of this. There's a big event coming up on the on the near horizon here, the 2021 UN Food Systems Summit. And for those listening, not maybe not familiar with that, um, the Food Systems Summit is all about looking at the, the United Nations 17 SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, and really kind of uh, taking a second look at those, uh, determining how can we make sure that uh, we're on target there, and we think we've fallen behind a little bit, uh, but also ensuring healthier, more sustainable, and equitable food systems. Well, and in the wake in the wake of COVID nineteen uh, and the pandemic, I think it's fair to say we've we've all learned a lot from from uh, from just just that very topic around what is and isn't uh, working well and, and where the gaps are in the food system um, and really the fragility of our food system. So, if you were if you were talking not to me but to someone with the United Nations who's really helping form all of this, one of the policymakers, in your mind, are there one or two must haves as far as making our food systems more resilient, particularly here in Asia? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, resilience really is the key word. And I think uh, one thing that the pandemic has shown that these very, you know, complex supply chains, value chains are something quite risky. You know, when people cannot move, uh, produce cannot move, uh, inputs um, and, and, and so on. So I, I think really one of the key issues to address is to increase the resilience of our food systems. So, um, and, and I think the pandemic has kind of also accentuated showing the, the limitations of globalization. I, I think regionalization and, and even like localization is kind of on the rise. And, and this also comes with, uh, you know, added benefits to sustainability. So the more resilient and local our, our, our food supply can be, 
obviously that is also better for, for the environment by, by saving a significant, a significant amount of transportation costs as, as well. But we also have to look at the local food systems. Um, you know, monocrop systems are quite at, at high risk. And, and, you know, a single incident, pest incident, for instance, can wipe out an entire field. Um, so I think, you know, having more varied uh, ways of growing our food with greater variety of the crops and produce uh, is, is something that uh, can address food uh, security effectively. And, and then the local supply chains, closed uh, chains, um, you know, we need to also address uh, re regenerative and, and, and circular uh, loops there and you know the more exposed these become to you know very broad international change when a part of that change is is, is broken it's it's quite hard to to correct that in in the short period of time that is necessary to ensure uh food security no absolutely that's very that's very good very good point and i think you know sort of uh, moving on to the third question it's a perfect segue thinking about as you just said the uniqueness of asia and, and the regenerative aspects and, and sustainability how it all kind of works together and making sure that the food systems uh, are more resilient here in asia we have a very unique situation where we have more smallholder farmers than anywhere in the world i think something like 85 percent or so of the, the world's smallholders are, are here in asia so a lot of challenges come with that obviously i think the, um, this so we have the smallest size farms and of course the largest number of the smallholders here so with that in mind what can we do as food agriculture stakeholders to make sure our farmers are really enabled to do what we're asking them to do right to grow more food sustainably so the, the sustainability as on the farmers uh, here in the region especially the smallholder ones is 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 a big one uh, i mean Let's face it, a lot of these farmers don't really have much resilience built in them, uh, you know, for funding their activities. They, they, they rely on, on their retailers or family members or others and actually operate their business on, on credit. In many countries, we have also high levels of debt. Um, and, uh, you know, that is affecting a lot of people in a very negative way. Um, at the same time, we are kind of expecting as consumers and, and, and societies the food to be safer, cleaner and more sustainable. But what are we really doing to, to help the farmers to achieve that? Uh, sw switching to more sustainable practices can sometimes require investment. Um, who's to who's to fund that? Uh, who's to compensate for that? Are we willing to pay a higher food price as a result? I, I think the picture is a, is a bit mixed, uh, but also many smallholders still lack um, knowledge about the best agronomic uh, practices to even start the the change uh, process. So I think we as a society and also players in the agricultural industry need to address that. And, and in order for the farmers to raise to the sustainability challenges, we need to help them. We need to help them with uh, knowledge. We need to help them with funding. And, and obviously this should result in an in a, in a equitable price for the food as well. Um, I'm looking at carbon credits as, as an interesting um, new way of, of addressing this. Um, I mean, carbon credits obviously have the dilemma of, of kind of perpetuating some of the negative uh, loops in terms of uh, allowing high emitters to continue high emission activities. At the same time, I do see that, that the funding that carbon credits can generate for smallholder farmers, if they switch their practices, uh, can constitute an important part of the financial compensation and also incentive for the farmers 
to adopt more sustainable practices. It's very insightful. No, but, uh, that gets right to the heart of the matter, tackling both issues as far as empowering the farmers, but also at the same time, addressing the lack of finance, right? Access to mm-hmm. finance at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like I mentioned before, I, I think kind of the more local and, and circular uh, we can create our food systems to be, uh, the better. And, 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 and also building a resilience by uh, simply not relying on few few crops that can be subject to, let's say, world market price changes or, or, or incidents that, uh, you know, uh, they are not resilient against. Um, so I really do think that uh, also in the interest of, of reducing greenhouse gas emissions, you know, creating thriving local regional food systems uh, is, is, is a key uh, for the future. Okay, I'd like to pivot maybe to COVID-19. Uh, the pandemic, of course, took root here a little over a year ago. And while uh, it's been quite a journey, I think it's unfortunately hasn't spared farmers along the way. You've seen a lot of disruption along the food value chain and how it's impacted farmers. It's been very, very really dis- very disruptive as far as just basic things, as far as having access to, to inputs, um, uh, having access to, to markets. You've seen um, some heartbreaking examples. I can think of one in Malaysia where you've seen farmers having to dump uh, fresh fruits and vegetables on the side of the road because of transport issues. So a lot there. And I'm just wondering, is there a lesson in all of this for us, particularly with respect to stakeholders and things that we should be thinking of as far as letting policymakers know we need to do a better job, frankly, with some of this? Well, I, I think, you know, um, localizing some of the supply chains and, and, and building more resilient system obviously plays a role here. And, and, and digital can be a, a key enabler here. Uh, we definitely see, um, you know, a, a few countries in the region, China, Thailand, as examples where uh, farmers have actually become active themselves in in, in, in directly uh, marketing uh, their produce to consumers over the, um, you know, standard e-commerce platforms uh, uh, that, that exist there. So I, I do think that this kind of developments where the time and the route from the producer to the consumer is shortened, uh, whether through digital ways or others, is is actually a, a great development as, uh, you know, we're likely to incur less uh, losses on the way, the produce is fresher, and also environmentally, we, again, uh, we save a lot of fuel and, and other resources in transportation. Um, so, obviously, this requires a new skill set from the farmers, and it's not applicable for, for all crops, but... Uh, um, some premium fruits and vegetables, especially if, if, if in the segment of organic or other higher quality products. Uh, this can also actually have a nice impact on, on the farmer's income. But of course, it's it's another skill that the farmer needs needs to learn and add this on top of all the other duties, the long days on the field. Um, I understand it can be a stretch. It's probably a business opportunity for someone to facilitate this. Sure. And, you know, you make a very good point. I, that same case in Malaysia I'm thinking of uh, as a follow-up, that you've seen that uptick, right? Uptick in adoption with e-commerce and these, these, this proliferation of platforms that are now available. And uh, it's an interesting new um, uh, development that's come about because of that. Is there anything, anything we can do to encourage that even further or uh, kind of stoke the flames a little bit with the adoption there? Yeah, well, uh, one of Yara's partners, um, DTAG, uh, one of the mobile operators in Thailand, has actually over the years also provided quite quite significant programs in, in helping farmers do exactly this to you know help them learn their relevant skills to to market their products um, 
on online. And I, I, I think uh, a lot of the e-commerce uh, players are also offering this kind of services and support. So I think that's a you know, good development there. I think one added benefit is also that uh, uh, once we as consumers have uh, more knowledge about the, the provenance of the food and, and how it's been produced, uh, well, first of all, this establishes some greater accountability, but also, again, to my point about uh, appreciating food, when you know where it comes from, where it has been produced, I think it's easier to appreciate the efforts of the farmers to produce all this nutrition for us and not to waste. That's right. Excellent. Well, we come to the last question, uh, and we've talked about quite a few challenges here, that uh, whether it be the pandemic or uh, particularly with the farmers and their experience or sustainability and resilience to the food system. So a lot we've covered here. But with the fifth question, we try to focus on maybe more of an op- the opportunity or some positives, and some good news. So asking uh, you to maybe take a look at the crystal ball, looking ahead perhaps by 10 or so years for Asia. Is there one area you would point to to say that uh, you think this will be achieved or some, some benchmark that will be reached for Asia that's a good development? Mm. What I wish for the future is is actually a greater appreciation of of, of the food uh, that we eat and and also all the hard work that especially the smallholders of of this world here in Asia and also other parts of the world put in um, to to provide us with with all the necessary nutrients and and, and nutrition um, that we need. There's an awful lot of wasted. Um, the estimations vary: 30, 40 percent of the food being wasted, whether it's on the way. Uh, from the farmers to consumers or in shops, restaurants. And um, there's a really big environmental and opportunity cost with this. And I, I, I think that in, in many parts of the world, food being so readily available in all different shapes and forms at any time of the day, anywhere, it has led to this kind of lack of appreciation of what this all actually means in terms of how much effort and resources it takes to produce food, to bring it from, from the, the, the farm to the, to the table. Um, and let's face it, uh, in many places of the world, food is very cheap, uh, especially junk food, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> right. So yeah. attractive. So, so what I really wish for... And, and perhaps when the COVID is over, more people would have a chance to visit farms, uh, whether it's, you know, very more, very progressive vertical uh, farms here in, in Singapore or otherwise, and, and to kind of experience and, and see themselves what it really all, all means to produce all these foods. Um, you know, having a greater understanding of how far food travels today from around the world, um, refrigerated or frozen, um, you know, when we would have more local uh, options available as well, which often would be healthier at, at higher quality, taste so much better. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that moving forward, unfortunately, we will face uh, significant um, food security issues, very turbulent global markets. Um, not all foods will be available at any time at the cost that we would like. But I think this might have a, a positive effect in our appreciation of food and, and nutrition. And to address my earlier point about supporting farmers in their um, sustainable transformation, I, I do want to share that uh, Yara has recently launched the Agoro 
Carbon Alliance uh, with the mission to do exactly this. And, and, and one of the key elements in the Agoro Carbon Alliance is to actually provide farmers with funding. So effectively compensation for adopting uh, climate-friendly practices that help to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from farming activities, as well as sequester more carbon in the soil. So do check it out and uh, you know, join the movement. Yeah, that's a great answer. I think you're, you're absolutely spot on. Perhaps if there's a silver lining in, in all of this, it is hopefully a greater appreciation for the farmers and the and those who are really working to ensure our supply of safe, nutritious food every day. So thank you, Susanna. Thank you for uh, for joining us today. Again, much appreciate your, your time and your insights and hope to, uh, to do this again. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, please rate, review, and subscribe. We look forward to bringing you another five good questions interview. 